Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can accept that, can't we? You guys stand with me if you would open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Now today I get the pleasure of speaking to you about prayer and fasting. Now this is one of those times whenever a preacher, it's hard to talk about giving and prayer and fasting. However, I'm very excited to be in this moment with you because I know it's a weapon that God gave us so we could lose some things on heaven and earth, amen? Oh yes, so I encourage you to listen Perk up your ears, it's going to be a great morning. Here, Paul is uh, writing to his friends in Corinth, and he's, he's telling them that we walk in the flesh, but the war that we wage is the Spirit. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Our hearts are pointed towards you, God. Speak to us and make us like you, we pray. Everyone says? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Wave at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad that they're here. Thank you so much for tuning in by whatever device you're tuning in by. We appreciate you so much. You know, prayer and fasting is such an amazing thing. I've been anticipating this moment for quite some time. Whenever I knew I was going to be able to speak about this, I think even months ago, I was, I was thinking to myself, what would I say when I have the opportunity to get up and speak? Because prayer and fasting is not something that we should look at as something that we have to do, but yet it is an opportunity for us in the kingdom. It's an opportunity that when we go into our prayer closet, when we turn the plate upside down, we begin to see the Holy Spirit move on our behalf. He moves in our life, in our family's life. He will move in the community, and all we have to do is sit back and say, it's got to be God because it's not me, amen? That's the powerful tool of prayer and fasting. Paul was speaking here, and he was saying, listen, guys, though I walk in the flesh, what is he saying? Listen, I walk from place to place and set up churches, ride by whatever animal he rode by to set up churches. He says, I go in the flesh and I come back in the flesh. He goes, but make no mistake about it, what I do is extremely spiritual. And then and God said, because uh, he said that God showed him that he knew that it was because that the war in the spirit that we see. And we see that we go into our prayer closet, we go in and fast and pray, and it seems very fleshly but that's not what it is it is very very spiritual it's a tool that Christ has given us to use so that we can see things happen amen so I am elated to be in the place with you this morning as we talk about showing up in is showing up last week we talked about how when we show up in service that we show up when we show up with the spirit of God in our life and in our hearts when we show up wanting people to collide with the same Christ that we have collided with how many of you guys know things change amen and when we show up in service we show up with well, the very same thing is true when we show up in fasting when we take ourselves to our prayer room whenever we pray with our family whenever we pray with our staff or pray with our teams or whatever it is whenever we go in there and we turn that plate upside down and say God I'm going to suppress this week the fleshly side of me so my inner spirit man can rise up and be infused with the Holy Spirit and you can illuminate my soul and you can use me in your kingdom it makes a difference amen because when we show up in prayer and fasting I'm saying we show up and if I hit the pulpit it sounds more dramatic so I won't do that again Sorry. Got excited. 
Because <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, this is the real deal, man. This is a tool that God has given us. There's three coaches that were together. First one interviewed said, what are you hoping to do with your team? The first one said, we just want to be able to have a winning record and maybe go to playoffs. The second one that was interviewed, they asked the same thing. What are you willing, what are you here to do with the boys that you have? He goes, oh, I want to beat that other guy. He goes, I want to win state and go as far as I can go. Finally, he goes to that third coach. And he says, sir, what do you want to do with your, with your team? He said, my job, my job is to take these boys and to make them into men. We, we, they all have the same job. They're all doing the same thing, but it all depends on your lookout of what you're doing. Amen. This week, we're all going to be in the same boat. There's going to be a pleasure that we push aside. There's going to be food that we push aside. Listen, this week, we can say the struggle is ours, amen? amen. But what are we doing it for? We're doing it to see God in our, in, our, in our environment, in our community, the Spirit of God be lifted up in our lives, that he could, he could speak to us and show us things that we need to do, that He could make a way and open up doors in our community that there would be no other way to do it. Our mantra for this year, our, our slogan, our theme is to build the kingdom of God. Grow, love, and share. And whenever we go into our prayer room, whenever we fast and we pray, that's what we're choosing to do. God, I'm choosing to grow in your spirit the way that you want me to grow in your spirit. God, I'm choosing to love a dying and lost community. I'm choosing to love, God, people that I don't even know. People that don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going to choose to love. And then, God, I want you to share your glory through me. I want you to share your spirit through me, that any hands that I shake, any businesses that I go into, any time I go to work, that they can feel your presence on my life to a whole nother level, amen? And whenever we go and we pray and we fast, we show up for the kingdom of God. It's God's way of doing it. It's his weapon that he gave us. Now, we're used to weapons, and there's many weapons that are used in, 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 in Scripture through the spiritual life that we see. We know that prayer and fasting, we know that whenever we read the Word of God, that we can use that against our enemy, amen? We can use that against the flesh, and we can use that against the Word. We know that worship, we can raise our, our voice and sing and praise and worship the Lord in our battles, and He will fight for us, amen? But there's so many other things that we when look at it in the spiritual, it becomes a weapon. I was thinking this last Wednesday night as I was driving a van. I don't drive a van every Wednesday night. But Rod and Rebecca and Cal and, and people drive it on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, the Jacksons, amongst other people, drive the van. And let me tell you something. When we pull up to that place where we pick up that passenger and we know they're going to get the word of God, we know that they're going to be encouraged when they come over on Wednesday night and they're going to be fed physically and spiritually. They're going to encounter a holy God. Let me tell you, that van goes into a weapon, amen, for the kingdom of God. Whenever we fill these classrooms down this side and down that hall, whether it be kids or adults, we've turned that classroom into a weapon for Almighty God, that His Spirit would speak through us, that His Spirit would use us, and that people would collide with our God, amen? So we look at different weapons, and we say, God, what are the weapons? Well, today we're going to concentrate on prayer and fasting. It's a weapon assigned by God that if we'll, if we'll use it and operate in it, and it seems so physical, how can resisting food and turning my face from that things of pleasure, how can it be holy? Well, because God said to do it. <laughs> and if God says to do it, he's going to hold his word, amen? See, this is the thing. We can't outlove God. 
We can't outgive God. We can't outperform God. We can't outpower God. He has all of that, amen? So whenever we do what he says, we kind of paint God in a quarter and say, listen now, God, I've done my responsibility, and I've tried to do it with a heart of expectation. I've tried to do it with a spirit of gladness and, and, and gratitude. So, Father, I'm expecting, I'm wanting, I'm desiring you to move on my behalf in only a way that you can move. And that's the exciting thing about prayer and fasting. The unexciting thing about prayer and fasting is it's not very natural. I've been holding off from sugar at the beginning of the year. I say holding off maybe 10 or 12 grams so a day, which I was a sugarholic. Man, I liked sugar. I've been kind of pulling back since the beginning of the year. Yesterday we celebrated Callie's birthday and she had a cookie cake with icing on it. You know the most natural thing that I've ever done was eat that cookie cake. <laughs> I showed a little bit of reservation, but not a whole lot. And it was very natural. What wasn't natural is being like, now nah, I don't want to eat cake and ice cream. Yeah, right, man. I showed up for the cake and ice cream. If eating is natural and, and, and filling our, our bodies with that is natural, one of the reasons why is every appetite that a man has really stems from food. It's, it's the energy source that we have. It, it, it fuels our mind, it, it fuels uh, our actions, it fuels the things that we do. That's the reason why whenever we su suppress that and say, no, we're going to hold off, we're asking the spirit man to rise up above that physical man, amen, and say, God, we need you. But how do you get started on a fast? This whole week is going to be prayer and fasting, and whatever you can do, we want you to do, and we want you to know that we're excited and we're expecting great things to happen. Well, first of all, pick the fast that you want to go on. Some very practical information here at first. What we do, you pick the fast that you go on, and you get committed to it. You get committed to it. You pick the length. Maybe it's three days. Maybe it's two days. Maybe it's seven days. Maybe it's ten days. Maybe it's one day. Whatever it is, you pick the length, uh, the length of whatever you want to do. And then you choose. If it's food, this is how that's going to look. If it's something that brings me pleasure, this is how it's going to look. And listen, you got to have a plan going in at the beginning. And this is the reason why. Because this is a very unnatural thing to do. That's the reason why it works so well in the spiritual world. Because whenever we say, God, your stuff is more important than my stuff, it, it really matters to God. You go in, and this is the thing. If you say, I'm going to fast all five days, but you don't have a plan, it won't do you any good because you'll get to that fifth day and you'll be like, well, I didn't make it. But if you'll go in and say, you know what, I can't fast all five days. But you know what I can do? I can give up one meal each day. I can give up two meals each day. I can do a two-day uh, two fast. Or I take this pleasure and set my time aside and go after God in prayer and study and worship. And, and, and whenever you do that, you put yourself in a place to win because you hold true to your commitment. And at the end of it, you've done what you said you were going to do, which is important to God, Amen. So you go in there and, and don't feel any, any, any kind of uh, a condemnation from us. You pick that pleasure, you pick that physical entertainment, and then once you've picked it, the next thing you know what to do, you start. When does it start for you? You start. Now, let me take some pressure off. We realize that there's so many health and sickness issues going around. We realize that there's people that, that are battling cancer. There are people that are pregnant. There are people that are battling COVID. Many have just got finished battling COVID last week, and now they're trying to go into this week, and, and what do I do? Listen, don't let the devil trick you into saying that what you're going to do is not good enough. You just do what you can do. Mark 14 and 8, the woman's going in to anoint the body of Christ. 
And she has an expensive bottle of perfume and she anoints Christ with it. And the very first part of verse 8, Mark 14 says this, she, she has done what she could. The theme continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is talking to his friends and he's talking about how they gave. And he said he, they gave according to their means. And then in verse 12 of chapter 8, he says this, it is acceptable according to what a person has. I can't give what you can give. You can't give what I can give, but we can all give what we can give. And do not let the devil trick you into thinking that what you did was not good enough. You get your plan, you stick to it, and you read and you pray and you go to war for people in your neighborhood. You go to war for people in your family. You go to war for people in this church and let's shake the heavens and see what God won't do, amen? Let's get committed. Get committed, and it's tough. Go in and say, this is what I'm going to do. And don't let Satan, your enemy, don't let yourself and don't let the world talk you out of it. But what happens whenever we fast? What are some amazing things that can happen? And for that, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. I will not read the whole story. A, I have the fluency of a third grader, and we would never get through it, okay? Number two, I believe that I can tell you the story and then we're going to go out and pick scriptures and you can go back and see if I'm right. Jesus is encountered by a young man who has a spirit, he, he's demon-possessed. He has a spirit of evil in him. And his father has first brought, them to, brought the son to the disciples and the disciples cannot cast out the spirit. Jesus walks up and he says, what are you guys doing? He's particularly asking that question to scribes to begin with. The situation unfolds and Christ understands what's going on. And the disciples that he had just sent out chapters earlier could not cast this demon. They did not have the spiritual authority over it and they did not understand why. Jesus separates the Father and the Son and he begins to pray. And he takes the spiritual authority over that spirit, but it's not before that spirit has already made that young man convulse and throw himself down on the ground. It's not before he already has a conversation with the father, and he asked the father, he said, how long has, it been do how long has your son been doing this? And he said, since childhood. And you see this story unfold, and Jesus takes authority over that spirit and casts that spirit out, and the boy is set free. And the disciples... Are, are, are just, they don't understand. They ask him later, they say, why? Why could we not do that? And he says this famous line, he said, this comes but by prayer and by fasting. There's only some things in our life that Christ wants us to have authority and have power over that come by prayer and fasting because it's a weapon that God has given us to use that we could storm the gates of hell, okay? Weapons are not used just for defense. I'm not in a defensive position in my church on the corner waiting for Christ to come back. But our intention is that we pick up the spear, we pick up the sword. Through the Spirit of God, we take the gospel to all creation all over the world, amen? We are in an offensive position. God, I'm, I'm going to use prayer and fasting that your spirit may be stirred up within me to do what you've called me to do. There are people out there that need your hope, that need your faith, that need your healing. And some of that only comes by what? Prayer and fasting. So God is willing to turn loose and let his spirit go in our lives. And that's what makes it so exciting. 
and some of the things that we gain whenever we pray and whenever we fast. As I look into this story, one of the things that I see first is that we can gain a fresh vision through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting, we can gain a fresh vision. Let me tell you guys, most of you guys don't need to change your trajectory right now. God has got you on a path. You just need to be able to see it differently. You need to be able to see it different. Jesus walks up in the crowd and the disciples have been trying to cast this demon out and they can't do it. Scribes are making fun of them. The crowd has shown up for the show and everything is working backwards. But Jesus, because he has prayed and he has fasted, because he's been with Father God, walks up and begins to see the whole situation in a different light. He begins to see what he needs to do so that the Spirit of God can work through him and deliver this young man. Because after all, that's all it's about. It's not about the show. It's not about proving people right or wrong, is it? It's about the Holy Spirit working through us so people can find deliverance and collide with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said, listen, this is where we got to go. And I love it because in verses earlier in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22... There's this, there's this uh, they're having a dialogue with Pharisees and, and Sadducees, some Jewish leaders. And they say, wait a second, Jesus, the disciples that follow you don't fast like John's disciples. They don't fast like we fast. And Jesus takes them through this, this little piece of history. And he basically says this to them, you're fasting because you want to check it off the box. Right now, these guys don't need to fast because I'm with them. But there will be one day when I'm no longer with them, and they're going to need to see in a different light. They're going to need to do things differently, so they're going to pray and fast and seek my face. And we know that as the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered together, crying out to God, separating themselves, saying, God, show me the way! Just a new vision. Maybe we need to renew that vision. Maybe we need to say, God, I don't have any vision. I need your vision. And whenever we pray and fast and we seclude ourselves and say, God, we're going to show up, we show up, and we show up for the intensive purpose of saying, God, speak to me, open my eyes. Let me see things the way that you see things. Don't let me look through them through the lens that is so easily clouded by the world and temptations and things that pull me back. But God, let me experience it through the freedom of the Spirit. And if the situation seems overwhelming, let me be like you, Christ, and walk onto the situation and say, okay, let's start taking this apart and seeing what God will not do. The next thing that I see here is we see this amazing ability to walk in humility. Whenever we go in our prayer closet, whenever we fast and pray and we turn that plate upside down, whenever we take that pleasure and say, listen, for this amount of time, I'm not going to involve myself. Instead, my pleasure is going to be in you, God. My hope is going to be in you. My faith will rise up within you. Whenever we do that, there's this incredible sense of humility that just takes over us. And humility is what we use in the kingdom of God. Amen? See, he walks up on this situation in Mark chapter 9, and the disciples aren't showing humility. They're in an argument with the scribes and crowds and everybody else. Anyway, you're trying to cast a demon out, and you want to talk about it, while this poor boy is convulsing on the ground and doing all kinds of things. Why? Because they were doing it in the flesh. They, they were doing something they, they were taught and not just something that said, God, I want you to lead me and guide me. I believe that this is real. This is something new. The scribes, the scribes were in the flesh. They were too busy arguing with everybody. In fact, I imagine they were to the side gloating, wanting it to not work so that they could even prove Jesus more wrong than he was before. Which he's not wrong. He was right all the time. And we see this humility, and we see that Jesus has very much the opposite behavior. The crowd rushes into him. He doesn't feed off the crowd. He doesn't care. 
He's not there for the show. He's there for deliverance. Why? Because he's been praying and fasting. He's been, he's been with the Spirit of God, so to speak, and, 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 letting, and getting him ready for situations like this. Many times he would go out and pray. Many times he would do these different things and spend that time alone, separated from the world. And we see the behavior that Jesus asked what's going on. You've got to love the humility of Christ. He already knew what was going on. He's Jesus. He knew that people were acting a fool. He knew that people were acting in the flesh and weren't doing things right. But he goes up and he asks anyways. He says, what's going on here? And he talks to the scribe when he does that. And then he talks to the father and says, how long? I mean, he has a different behavior altogether. And finally we see that the spirit begins to act out. That, that spirit that was possessed that young man, he begins to act out. But Jesus doesn't lose his cool. If you read the text, you will see that when the Spirit knew that Jesus Christ was on the scene, everything changed. The boy threw himself on the ground and began to convulse, began to foam, began to do some things that Scripture says. Why? Because evil spirits always like to take control. Your enemy wants to take control. That's the reason why fasting is going to be a little bit more difficult. Because your flesh wants to take control. That's the reason why we have to push it to the side. But Jesus did three things that was incredibly important here that shows us he walked in humility. First of all, he asked. He didn't ask the man, so what'd you do? Why is your boy like this? It's your fault, what'd you do? He asked an amazing question that floored me as I began to read it. So how long has he been suffering with this? What'd he do? He added value to his life? He said, this is real. This is a situation that we have to handle. See, whenever we pray and fast, it keeps us from judging situations and just say, God, I just want you to work. I don't think I want to take this situation apart and guess this or guess that, God. I, just, I need you to work on my behalf. And he asks, and he adds value immediately. Now, all of a sudden, that, that man, is, the father is so intrigued by this question that he not only tells him from childhood how long, but he goes on and he says, listen, man, my son has thrown himself on fire, thrown himself in water. He's tried to destroy himself. And Jesus listens to respond. So many times we listened just so we can talk. But Jesus listens to respond. And he adds value. And then when Jesus listens to him, what does he do? He begins to build his faith. The man goes that next step and said, now this is what else is going on. And you begin to see this man's faith, know that he's talking to the right person. Whenever we go pray and fast, what do we do? We begin to say, God, as you use me in situations, let me add value. God, show me how to be used in the situation. I want to build the faith of the person that I'm trying to reach or the situation that I'm trying to change. And finally, we see that what Christ responded. What does he do? True humility always builds a bridge. Whenever we pray and we fast, Christ is, and, and, and what, what Christ wants us to do is begin to add value to people's lives. He wants us to respond after we listen. Listen as though you think you're wrong, respond as though you think you're right. And that's what Jesus did. He was listening to this man, and he added value. And then he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna build your faith. And then he builds a bridge by saying this, if you can believe. He doesn't say that it's your fault. He just looks at him and says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And Christ builds that bridge. Whenever we go into our prayer room, Whenever we seek Christ, that's what we do. We add value. We, we listen to Christ, which teaches us to listen out here. And then we say, God, I want to be so busy building bridges that people might enter into your kingdom, that people might know you, that the Christians who are trying, God, they might be encouraged. But we have to walk in that humility. 
And then as we read this story, we continue to go on here. We see a greater spiritual awareness and authority. Are you guys with me? You guys are getting awful quiet on me here, okay? Here, here we go. A, a greater spiritual awareness and authority. I love the strategy of Christ. So many times people show up on the scene, kick open the door, and like Elvis shaking her hips, I'm here for you, uh-huh, you know? And you're like, what are you doing? And you don't even want to be around Christians like that. <laughs> Jesus has an awareness about him. Why? Because he's been with the Father. So he walks into a situation, and he has situational awareness. He has this spiritual awareness and the spiritual authority. He looks at the mix. He said, okay, here are the disciples. They're operating in the flesh. The scribes, they don't even want it to happen. The Father, he saw something that very few people saw. The disciples didn't see it. The scribes didn't see it. The crowd didn't see it. He saw a desperate father. I've got to have change for my son. Why? Because he was aware. He was aware so many times that we want to go in there and fix the situation, and we haven't even asked, wow, you must have a lot of stuff coming against you right now. Christ looks at him, and he says, so how long have you been suffering with this? And he sees a desperate, he sees it, and he sees the boy. And that's what it's about. It's that boy finding deliverance from the Spirit. And he has this awareness that, that just boggles our mind, and he has this authority. And I love it in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 37. We see that, the, that we see how, how the awareness just, how the disciples don't have it. The disciples are walking down the street. And shortly after this, they're walking down the street and they're going to a place called Capernaum and they enter in a house and Jesus asks them this question. He says, what were you guys arguing on? Uh, what were you guys discussing on the road to Capernaum? Now, this is just after this incident. What they were discussing is who, which one of them was going to be the greatest. That would be like Pastor and me walking down the street with Tom Brady and all that Pastor Mike and I are concerned about is which one of us is the greatest quarterback. <laughs> I'm with one of my basketball players and we're arguing about who's the best three-point shooter and Stephen Curry's right beside us. Because whenever you're not aware, you become self-absorbed. And God can't use us when we're self-absorbed. And that awareness is so keen because that awareness leads to authority because then I realize it's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about deliverance. It's about him working in a way to deliver somebody that maybe they've never had in their entire life. Can I get an amen? We walk in that authority. See, don't, don't quit there. You have the spiritual awareness. You've prayed. You've fasted. You have that. Now, Matthew, uh, excuse me, verse 26, then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and then came out. That authority we see next because Christ had this amazing spiritual awareness to know that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't about getting caught up with the scribes. It wasn't about getting caught up with the, um, with, the, with the fleshly disciples. It wasn't about getting the crowd attention. It was about bringing hope to a young boy who needed hope and whenever we go into our room and we fast and we pray and we see God to the people that God has put in our lives that need hope that need revelation that need the goodness of God we show up for them amen we show up and we see the spiritual awareness and this authority and they just can't break it on their own and the final thing that I see is we see this amazing ability to believe for the impossible Jesus asked him, how long has he suffered with it? And this man just weeps before Christ. 
He cries and he says, God, I believe. But then he got really truthful, but help my unbelief. See, that's what prayer and fasting will do. In this case, we know that Christ was able to bring that spirit and it brought the true honesty out in a person. Whenever you and I pray and fast and we go into our room and we turn the plate upside down and we push that, that, that pleasure away and we show up, we're in that place where we become honest and say, God, I cannot do this without you. God, whatever you're trying to do in my life, whatever you're trying to do in my church, whatever you're trying to do in my family, God, I apologize for trying to do it on my own. I have to have you. God, help my unbelief because I want you to use me. I need you to use me. There's this spot in my life that if it's not filled by you, then I will know that I will be a wreck. And we bring that kind of honesty before our Lord and Savior. And guess what? He can use that kind of honesty. Oh, He said, I want to believe. And he cast out the demon out of his son. He found that deliverance. But he was willing to believe the impossible. And when we go in there, we, we, we find that we are willing to believe for the impossible. And this man was caught in this time warp. And if you've ever been caught there, you know what it is. You have an illness in your family. And day after day after day and month after month, it weighs on you. And you're like, gosh, the time, I, it's so heavy on me. Can you imagine from childhood? Day after day, he's seen his son. That's what made the situation impossible. How about behavior? He saw his son throw himself on the ground and convulse and throw himself on fires and in water. No doubt the pressure of the town that made fun of him and people that didn't want to relate to him because of the situation of his son. And it seemed impossible. Nobody's cutting me any slack. And some of you guys know what that feels like. You're so worn down by the behavior of your children. And it seems impossible. God, can you ever touch their life? You see behavior of people around you and you're like, God, it just seems impossible. This man was in the same situation and then of course fatigue, day after day, night after night. You, you think this is gonna work and then there's some improvement and then we go back to throwing ourselves in the fire or throwing ourselves in the water. You've worked so hard with that loved one, with that family member, with that friend, and you're like, man, this time they really got it. And then ding, 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 the phone rings. You get that text message, and you're back to square one. And you're fatigued emotionally and spiritually. And we reach that part of brokenness. That part of brokenness. That man goes up, and he begins to weep. He's broken before God. And God uses that moment to find deliverance for his son. Because broken trees still bear fruit. And you know what that feels like? You know what it feels like to weep over that kid? You've been praying for salvation, praying for healing. You know what it feels like to weep over that dream? God, I thought it was going to come true. I don't, I don't know now. You know what it's like to, to weep over that relationship. And God, I've tried everything that I could to, to bring wholeness back to this God. Where? What's going on? And you understand the Father. I'm here to encourage you today that God can rise us above all of that. When we get in our prayer room and we pray and fast, we show up. We show up for God being able to use us, but we also show up that he can move on our behalf. There's a little boy that loved balloon races. And his favorite colors were red and green and yellow. And he would go out to the park and he started balloon races and seeing which one could race higher. He took his yellow balloon and he blew it up and he went out there with all the other children and he let it go and 
the balloon went sideways and popped in a tree. He goes, oh, I can't believe that just happened. Maybe, maybe it's the red one. I need to use the red one. So he goes back the next day and he blows up his, his red balloon and he huffs and he puffs and he gets it tied off and he knows, he knows that the yellow one didn't work then the red one's gonna work. Let's it go, same thing happened, boom, pops in a tree. He goes, it, it, it must be another color. So he brings a white balloon out there and he says, it's gotta be this color. This is the one that I'm looking for and he blows it up and he releases it and sure enough, it goes into the tree and it pops. But out of the corner of the eye, his corner of his eye, he catches a guy who who's selling balloons. And he walks up to that older man. And he goes, sir, he goes, what color must I get so that my balloon will begin to rise above the others? He goes, oh, son. He goes, it's not what's on the outside of the balloon that makes it rise. It's what you put on the inside of the balloon that makes it rise above. This week, we're gonna be putting the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can rise above some problems, so that we can rise above some things that has held on to some sin that we need to set off. Maybe, maybe, some, heart, maybe some stuff that, that has, has caused our, our flesh and our spirit to constantly go at it and say, God, tonight, today, you're gonna to handle that. This week, God, I'm gonna leave it in your hands. And we're gonna to begin to rise above some of those things that so easily beset us. But we have to be willing to say, God, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. It's not what's on the outside of the prayer room, it's what happens on the inside of the prayer room. That's where it begins. And God, I'm gonna turn my plate upside down, I'm gonna to listen to your voice, and then I'm gonna believe that you're gonna use me. Would you guys bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.